A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm Frank Eastman, Scrum Lord. And I'm your voluptuous co-host, Derek Lewis. All right, Derek. I think it's about time for the daily stand-up. Okay. And uh, today, I wanted to talk about, uh, around the house, we have discovered a new holiday. Okay, what is this holiday? This new holiday roughly coincides uh, with Epiphany, um, which is sort of the Catholic holiday that runs from the 12th day of Christmas, January 6th, through Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. Okay, this is uh, completely new to me. Yes, uh, but so this is it's a non-religious holiday, however... Um, Okay. <laughs> Completely uh, about the appearance of the king cake. Okay. As in, like, when you first spot it in the store? Yes. When you first spot the king, the first king <laughs> okay. cake of the year, when it's spotted in the store, because what we've discovered is that we love king cake. We're not necessarily right. religious. We don't have right. any, uh, you know, religious leanings. So is the um, king cake even religious? The king cake is is sort of a religious. Um, I, I don't want to d- dive too deep into it and, and like put you on the spot for your uh, you know religious knowledge, but I, I had no idea that it was even remotely religious. Well, I mean, in and of itself, the the king cake is not uh, like it's not a, a religious baked good. <laughs> um, it's not an icon itself. <laughs> yes, it, it's it's not necessarily you know the the cake de Jesus. It is. Uh, but it is traditionally eaten during uh, the carnival season, right? Okay. Uh, and so the the king cakes that we have in this area, which is the the southeastern area of the United States, um, largely they're French Basque, I think, originally in in their uh, extraction, uh, and they all you know they're all coming from New Orleans, essentially, right? The, uh, eating of the king cake. Uh, but we, we just, we love the king cakes, the colors, the delicious. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very pastry. festive. I mean, yeah. just, you know, a bunch of fucking sugar sprinkles on top of some cinnamon cake. I mean, how can you not love that? I mean, you know, chomping down on a mystery baby is not always, <laughs> not always the best experience, but the, other than exactly. that, it's pretty good. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out what we should call it. Cause you know, it, it's definitely, it, it mirrors <laughs> a religious festival. So okay, so before before we actually like start naming it, uh, what are the the what are the various uh, uh, trappings of this uh, holiday festivity? So the trappings of the holiday festivity, is, as far as I can determine, are a uh, you have found a king cake in the bakery section uh, okay. of your local store, uh, and then the colors are the uh, green, purple, and gold. Uh-huh. Uh, of uh, Southern Mardi Gras. Okay. 
and, and then something, you know, uh, something surrounding the inedible baby. <laughs> Look, okay. I, I am not entirely sure that an inedible piece of plastic baby is uh, is something to, I don't know, make a religious icon of. Well, I mean, it's it's a non-religious icon, right? Specifically, oh, that, that's, that is true. That is true. Well, I mean, the the baby itself, I think, is supposed to represent Jesus. Okay, uh, but if, for Which, for know, our okay. purposes, so I, I have a problem with that part specifically because you know I, I mean, we've we've talked about uh, me loving cake and food, yada yada yada. So of course, I am I have consumed a number of king cake in my lifetime. Um, but every time, you know, I've, I've, you know, purchased one or been around one when it was cut fresh, I swear to God, nine times out of 10, my first bite will have that fucking baby in it. It is, it is this, this <laughs> curse. Uh, and of course, you know, we, we don't really do like the, um, you know, whoever gets the baby has to buy it the next year. Um, I normally just kind of show up when King Cake is there. Like I, I can't really ever like pinpoint who purchased it or whatnot. It's just is in my presence. Um, but no, like, and and when I when I bite it, like I don't like take a bite and see like the hand sticking out. No, like full blown mouth full of baby. That's what I get every right single in year. the inedible baby. Yes, exactly. But, but the thing is, like, how is that not sacrilegious? Like, you know, thinking back to like what it actually represents and how it plays into the the whole you know Catholic festivities thing. How is that not sacrilegious to have a mouthful of baby Jesus? I, I mean, <laughs> ordinarily, I think it is. But in this instance, I think you're already celebrating our non-religious holiday centered around the king cake. Okay. All right. the The festival of the inedible baby. <laughs> The more you say that name, the more I'm uh, I'm taking a shine to it. The festival of the inedible baby. <laughs> All right. See. Okay. I was I was hoping we could we could you know workshop this out and and come to a conclusion. I'm liking festival of the inedible baby. I mean, we've got it. It's a good month or so that we've got. I mean, it's from January sixth through I think like the second week in February. So you've got a good month. Yeah, in which in which you're getting you know, king cakes that contain so, inedible babies. Right. So it's not exactly like a calendar specific, uh, or it's I guess it is to a specific, you know, general range. But it's not really starting on a you know you know December twenty fifth like Christmas. Right. It's it's when we find the first king cake because it it could be that one of the local bakers is getting a jump start on things, you know, and they've right. got that king cake out on, on January, January 1st. <laughs> yeah. You, New Year's king cake baby. Exactly. So, but yeah, this, this festival of the inedible baby, it's going to start, uh, and it starts for everybody. It's in your heart. <laughs> so, so you could, you could kind of, uh, force it to happen by making your own king cake. You could, you could, if it's in you, that it is time for the festival of the inedible baby, you can make a king cake. <laughs> and thus you've begun the holiday season. I don't know. Any any uh any holiday or whatnot that revolves specifically around a, a baked product, I, I'm def it's definitely always in me. For both senses of the word, I suppose. All right. So holiday of the inedible baby. Uh, everybody added to your calendars sometime between January 5th 
And when was the when is Party Girl? Uh, it's, I forget. It's, it's a floating like the, date, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's the second Tuesday in February. Okay. So second Tuesday. But, so we have we have a floating start and a floating end. Right. But either way, there is uh, rings of cinnamon baked goodness with some glitter shit and an inedible baby. Yep. It, it's all about that that green, the purple, the gold, inedible <laughs> babies, and king cakes, and holiday spirit. Well, yeah, the holiday spirit is, man, I am happy that we get to eat king cake. That's always something to celebrate, for sure. Exactly. Like, and we're realizing that that is probably a holiday that we get more excited about than most of the other holidays <laughs> uh, out there. <laughs> okay. That is not something that will find its way in a Hallmark card, so it definitely lends it some more, uh, lends it to be a little bit more genuine. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not going to be found in a Hallmark card, but who knows? I might at some point begin producing Festival of the Inedible Baby cards. <laughs> oh, God. Well, if you do, make sure that I, I know about it and I'll be I'll order the first pack. All right. Excellent. All right. So you want to get into the deep dive of the day? I think we should get to the deep dive. All right. Okay. So for the topic today... Uh, I want to discuss something that is uh, one of my biggest um, annoyances in the office, and both in a you know general sense and more specifically, noise pollution. So, so we're not talking about rock no. and roll. <laughs> so, well, if you work in some place that produces rock and roll, maybe that's not noise pollution. Um, but if you work in a library and somebody is back there being I don't know, Travis Barker from Blink-182 on the desk, maybe you should say something about it. Uh, but no, noise pollution in you know in a general sense being um, people that can't stop humming, humming to themselves, uh, people that like to uh, drum on the desk, or you know, have like a... I know I've been guilty of this before, but have a desk fan that has a bearing going out. They should have probably replaced the fan <laughs> months ago. Um, and so it's, are you, are you trying to say something no, to me? I Derek? Promise you I'm not, it's more, uh, I'm more criticizing myself than anyone, um, because I, I inflicted folks to that for a while. Um, but yeah, so, so what, what type of noises and what level of noise, uh, do you think is acceptable in a general workplace? You know, this, it's a subject that I haven't thought about too much because we live in an office environment more and more they're moving to these open office right. environments uh which is just an excuse you know to not have to build as many actual right. walls and and noise pollution has become so completely ubiquitous that i think it is almost equally ubiquitous to have noise canceling right. headphones at this point yeah and and i so i mean i, I totally get that uh, and maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm the only person left that, uh, that has an ax to grind about this. Uh, but one of the things that gets me really bad is when somebody likes to just tap, just not rhythmically. Like if you're, if you're j drumming quietly to a, a song that, you know, has some decent fat beats to it, you know, I may not say anything for the first couple of minutes, um, but we didn't start the fire. Yeah. If I hear, if I hear, uh, you know, some journey tapping, you know, maybe I'll 
I'll survive long enough for the song to be over. But with Journey, it could be like a 15-minute song, so that may be a problem. But um, but yeah, somebody who just kind of like, like, like nothing rhythmic just kind of taps because they're thinking or something, um, that just drives me insane. Um, and most of the time, these folks will have on noise-canceling headphones. Um, so, right. like, they may not hear it. They may not realize that they are hitting an empty metal container that is causing like a 30 decibel ring throughout the office. Um, but to me, it is like gunfire. See, I think, I think the issue might be that I have already killed and eaten all of those people. <laughs> it, it, I will say it has happened in previous offices, but not so much in the current one. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There, there was a couple when nice. I started. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I was like, uh, can I talk to you uh, over here for a minute? And then... Nom, 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 nom. Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, how do you feel about humming? Like, just kind of uh, both either humming a song that you know, or just kind of humming atonally to themselves out of uh, sheer happiness? That, I mean, that is is probably equally if not more terrible <laughs> than the the atonal tapping like the tapping at least you know the brain hates an absence of right. purpose and so if if there's just non-tonal tapping eventually your brain will start trying to you know put it to a song or something right. like that but if someone's humming then they've got the song there there's nothing in out there for your brain to fill in the gaps right. around. You just have to listen to this numbskull going. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, personally, like when I hear somebody humming, like my, like you said, my brain wants to attribute some sort of song to it or something, um, you know, something that can kind of put some order to the chaos. And if there is nothing, like if it can't catch a tune, uh, it just, I, I just go into this spiral of of like anxiety where it's like please someone just i don't care how like please please stop them yeah it 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 puts me into quite a state now i'm i'm having flashbacks now to something that i had repressed so thank you for bringing <laughs> see, this up see that that's what we're trying to do like we're, i had buried we're, this we're deep, dredging up deep in the yeah, psyche we're, we're trying to dredge up some uh, repressed memories from all this and uh, one of my first jobs, I had an office, which was nice, but I kept the office door open because open door policy, etc. You know, I've, I've always been a project manager. Right. And I had a guy who worked, literally he was down the hall and around the corner, but he had some sort of chronic sinus issue. Oh, no. <laughs> And you could just hear this dude sucking snot <laughs> from across the office. Oh, God. Just oh. like every minute on the minute, there's just this horrifying, wretch-inducing <laughs> sonic screwdriver. Just like he's pulling brain meat out and in. Oh my but God. then, then it then he has to hawk it up, <laughs> and so there was always this punctuation. It was like you had two or three of these monstrous toe curling snorts, uh-huh. 
and then just, you know, <laughs> for me, a good another five Please tell me you had a spittoon and it went ping. If it if it went pating, it would have been it would have been beautiful. Uh, no, and and I actually he was one of those people who was just so socially unaware uh-huh. that I once had to go into his office and have a conversation with him about a completely unrelated topic, and he did it while I was in there. Oh my god! Oh. And I just about had to come across the desk. At him, like it was just <laughs> so vile, and and I get you know sometimes it's allergy season. Folks have got the sniffles. It's not exactly the most pleasant thing. Sure, sure. But this dude, it was all year round, constant. Oh, and it was just unbelievable. And and we eventually had to get together and have a conversation with him about it. Oh, wow. So you actually had like an intervention. Yeah, there was an intervention head. And we were like, dude, you need <laughs> to close the door to your office. We have these beautiful offices with solid wood doors. You're going to need to close your door because this is something that is driving everyone on the floor completely crazy. And with the door closed, you could still hear it, but it was a little less like the creature from some sort of horror movie was creeping down the hall right. every minute or so. So, I mean, at least it's good that he had his own office because uh, I cannot imagine being in the same room with the with the snot monster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just hearing him just like hawking loogies all day, every day. No, nah, I mean, he, he would have been probably drowned in one of his own tissues um, in short order had we been in an office Wait, by, by someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Like just. Do you mean somebody else would drown him? Yes, exactly. In his own tissue? You know, kind of like uh, the the whole thing with the chloroform rag. Oh, now now I'm not saying that's not a fitting end for for that, but God, that's the grossest thing. Oh, well, how do you think the rest of us feel? Oh. That is that is awful. Oh, but no, I mean, so like, how far down the hall was this guy? Like, was he like you know five feet down the hall, or was he like? Yeah, when I envision hall, like I'm thinking like forty feet down the hall. No, I mean it, it was it was a relatively small office, but it was at least twenty feet. Like if you came out of my door, you would have to go you know five to ten feet down and then hook uh, a left at the corner and then go another fifteen to twenty feet down the hall to to the entrance to his office. Okay, that is that is actually impressive. It was loud. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> if there was some sort of contest for... Uh, Most audible snot sucking. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God, that's a terrible competition. No, nah, I mean, I wouldn't want to have any part of it, but uh, I think that guy would probably have been the champion. Oh, that's disgusting. That is so terrible. And see, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, like, health problem shame this guy. Like, I understand that, you know, everybody... Sometimes you just got to deal like sometimes, you know, you're good at your job and something comes along. And you're like, I just got to deal with this. And, you know, hopefully other people will kind of give me a little bit of slack to deal with it on my own. Um, somebody probably should have like said, hey, man, uh, have you been to an ENT lately? Like that that was part of the intervention. <laughs> like that was we were like, dude, dude. <laughs> 
This is a problem. <laughs> Normal people's uh, sinuses do not work like this. Yeah, no, you've you've got to get this checked out. <laughs> both for... Consult a medical professional. Yeah, both for your health and for ours. Oh, my God. No, but, you know, that, that kind of stuff, like that, that stuff will get to me, but it's like, doesn't necessarily gross me out. What legitimately causes me to die a little bit every time I hear it uh, is mouth noises. Like, mm. mostly chewing and drinking, uh, but my God. This is this is where I was tempted to go into the worst ASMR video. Yes, oh, <laughs> I would come through the computer and strangle you. Uh, well, you know... I don't know if it's like some sort of like uh, like misophonia or something like that, but for my my entire life, uh, I can't even explain when it started. Like I don't even know. It just kind of always was. Uh, but I noticed it when I started like working around other people. You know, I, I went to like southern schools for for most of my life, and you know, the one thing that your parents teach you is chew with your fucking mouth closed. Like that is lesson <laughs> one. Like. Don't whip your weenie out in the middle of class and chew with your mouth closed. Like that is, that is day one of preschool. Um, and so, you know, I'm sitting at the, uh, I'm sitting at the break table and all of a sudden, you know, this guy whips out a hamburger and, you know, he's, he's going to town and I'm not going to mimic the sounds that he was making because I would be a party to the thing that I hate the most. Uh, but it literally sounded like somebody was slapping a wet a wet wash rag against the wall like it was it was no shit could be heard across the room it was the most just physically offensive like i felt it like i felt each chaw of his ungodly maw uh i mean i had to say something like i i just was like hey man um you know, could could you chew with your mouth closed? He's like, oh, I am. It's like, no, no, clearly. No, you're not. Clearly, you are not. Because <laughs> me and that person across the room that is physically cringing and trying to, you know, strangle themselves with the phone cord. Yeah, they heard you chewing. And you should not be that loud. And, like, I wasn't trying to be a jerk. Like, I wasn't trying to to, like, make the guy feel bad. But at the same time... You know, he didn't know that he was doing it and he was being defensive, like in denial about the fact that he was doing it. And I think he kind of had that moment of realization where it's like, oh, my God, I've been doing this my entire life and I never knew. And so how many people hated me? I am the slob monster. Yeah, exactly. He became the slob. Uh, And, you know, know, he worked on it to, uh, to fix it. But but no, those type of interactions happened to me. I mean, I'm not gonna say constantly. It's not like I'm, I'm, I'm like the, you know, the Ghostbuster of people who eat with their <laughs> mouth open or anything like that. But like, you know, somebody's be sitting there just like chewing some gum, and you know they'll be chewing with their mouth closed, and then all of a sudden they'll just have this maybe like minute where they decide to just chaw like a freaking horse chewing some uh, cud. Um, no, it's a switch that just flips inside of me. And I go from being this like normal person who 
you know, doesn't want to kill everybody to this maniac who will do anything to make the sound stop. Hmm. Does that, uh, I know you have kids, so maybe, maybe it's, uh, desensitized you a little bit, but, but how do you feel on the mouth noises front? It, it has not necessarily desensitized me. Like that is something that we have definitely been working on with the kids. Cause it is, it doesn't bother me as much as it say bothers Britta. Okay. Uh, like she is definitely one of those people who will, you, you can just see her like begin to, to twitch, you know, and like the throbbing vein in the forehead before she just has a small come right. apart because, uh, for that very reason, like mouth noises, uh, slurping. anything that's small and repetitive, like slurping. If someone's, uh, uh picking at their, uh, fingernails. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just anything that's small, repetitive, and bodily like that. Like, that is uh, the easiest way to get deep, deep under her skin. Oh, my God. Now, I, so maybe everybody needs that person in their life that uh, that hates those noises to, to teach them not to make them. Um, but, like, you know, there have been a couple of guys that I, I've worked with who are just, you know, just nice guys. Like, there's nothing nothing wrong with them. Like there's nothing that would lead me to believe otherwise they were born in a fucking barn. Um, but you know, they just decide to, uh, to make that a thing they do. It's like, maybe they're, I mean, maybe I'm being an asshole and they're just trying to get the best flavor out of their food. But when, they, when they're trying to like, like a fucking double stack from, yeah, you, from Wendy's, I don't think they're going for the maximum culinary experience on that one. I think they're just chewing loudly. You got to aerate, you got to get, you got to get the air in there to get the flavor experience completely it unlocked. Makes it come alive. Exactly. It makes it pop. Yeah. You, you. How else would you taste all the preservatives inside of Wendy's food without all that air floating around your tongue? This, um, this means, of course, that smacking loudly while you eat is the next hipster thing. Oh, God. Oh. oh. Ugly mustaches, oh. terrible glasses, fixies, and smacking while you eat. See, I was on board with the others. I could deal with those, but this, this, this will not stand. But you know, there are some people that like um, people that are like really big into like beer, um, and you know, folks that are into like teas and coffees oh. and stuff like that thing, and and wine for sure. Yeah, um, like with those, like there is a, I guess, some sort of like chemical reason to get a little bit extra air on the tongue. But that still doesn't mean that I want to hear it. Like, yeah, you should you know, do that in a, like a hermetically sealed room, specifically built for taste testing. Absolutely, whatever it is. And if you want to, like, you know, just like they used to have, like the the smoking rooms that were like completely sealed and had like a vent through the top. If y'all want to have a coffee <laughs> a coffee room or a a wine room where you're literally just 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 slurping down as fast as you possibly can, just. You're all like making eye contact and slurping at each other. Whatever you want to do, go crazy. But just, just make it, just do it away from me. Like that's all I want. Like I'm not trying to chase your bliss, man. Like you do you. Find your own way through life because it's all one wild ride. So I get it. I get it. All right. But that doesn't mean that I have to hear you slurp. My my next immediate thought is, this is a good business. I mean, if it's if the next hipster movement is smacking while you eat, then we need to serve that market with specially oh. built restaurants and or tasting facilities 
for people to come and do this in. And what we need to do now is determine what the name of this this concept should be. I have no good name for it because because I would just scream at them. Like just <laughs> if if the name on the restaurant or whatever be is just in quote like in parentheses guttural screaming. Yes, that is that's the only thing that comes to mind. Like I'm trying to be funny. I really am. Like I'm racking my brain for something funny to say about that. But I've got nothing because every time I think about it, it just it just makes me want to die. So, so you may have to workshop that yourself, Frank. That's that may be a solo project for you. Unless, of course, you okay, this I could get behind. It's a cruise where people that like to slurp or chew with their mouth open all go, and they can just go buck wild all weekend. They can just chew with their mouths open. They can they can like literally chew ear to ear with other people, and they can just chick his chomp down whatever they want to do. And then, on the fifth day of the cruise, when they're supposed to turn around and go back to port, they drive into the fucking Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> And they're never heard of again. We old boat. <laughs> we, uh, the Scuttle and Slurp Cruise. <laughs> now that that is a business venture I can get behind. There we go. That might be that might be the hipster name of it. Scuttle and Slurp. Oh well, would it be would it be Slurp and Scuttle? Yeah, I suppose because that's the logical. The old- uh, yeah, I think That's a my soul wanted it to be. We just go ahead and scuttle it before any of the slurping takes place. But I guess, <laughs> right? I, I, you know, let them have their final few days of. Um, it's not even debauchery. It's just <laughs> bacchanalia of slurping. Yes. Oh, God! I'm oh oh I'm I'm such an estate, Frank. It's well known oh. that Caligula particularly <laughs> loved slurping. <laughs> It wouldn't do for you to go to uh, an Asian country. I know that no, like, in China, no. at least in China, and I think also Japan, like loud slurping yeah. while eating the noodles is a sign of respect for the the chef. So it absolutely is. You would just die. Is. No, I I would just. I, I don't know what I would do because I love, I, like I love noodles. I love. You know, Asian soups, like, I I genuinely love them. Um, but, no, if I went to a restaurant, you know, like a, a authentic place in, in Japan, and everyone was just, like, you know, soup in hand, noodle in the other, and they're slurping them both together, I don't, I don't know... I don't know what I would do. That... I, I would just have to be like, this, this restaurant is not for me. Uh... I'll I'll go somewhere else. Do you do you have a subway, some sort of sandwich place? Yeah, I I don't know if they would. Uh... See, I'm sitting over here. I'm still thinking about like yeah, definitely at Slurp and Scuttle. We're going to be serving ramen. <laughs> not just not ramen like that thick ramen, good udon. coffee, wine. Yeah, coffee, wine, like good udon, uh, ramen. Yeah, the, these kinds of things, definitely. <laughs> I'm trying not to die. Oh. Should we go to an uh, audience question, see if we can clear oh, the palate? Yes, please, for the love of God. Oh, I'll shake this off, try to be funny. All right. All right, get centered, get centered. Okay. This one was I'm sent centered. in by T. Hanks. So, 
Yeah, you got it. It's didn't. good that Tom is a listener. Yeah. It, it helps. Uh, I sometimes have to do collaborative video editing. What should I do when the company or person that is paying me for the video has their own input and they have just terrible ideas? <laughs> like, my ideas for their video are so much better, in my opinion, but I have to sacrifice my artistic viewpoint or my way of storytelling to keep them happy so I can keep getting paid. Should I suck <laughs> it up? Or should I tell them they hired me for a reason and let me do my thing? <laughs> oh, now, now this is certainly something that, uh, that I have dealt with in the past. I, I maybe not as bad as like, uh, like true creative types. Um, cause I think that, you know, like photos, videos, um, like audio, uh, you know, pure website design, I think is definitely the, uh, the, the worst offending of the categories of client. Um, but no, I've had, I've had many clients that, you know, would, would basically, you know, I'd, I'd take their requirements. I would talk to them. We'd have meetings and, th- you know, things would be going really smoothly. Like we'd have a you know, good rapport and I'd have a clear understanding of what they would want from the product. And then, you know, go away, come back a couple weeks later with a, a proof of concept or a working prototype. And all of a sudden, all the things that that they thought they said were not the things that they, that they actually said. Um, so, you know, it came down to like, you know, and not, not from necessarily from a functionality standpoint, cause that, that may be understandable, uh, why they would have complaints. But, um, if it's like, I just don't like this button here, this button should be over there. Um, then that, that creates some, a little bit of awkwardness. Right, because yes. they're not necessarily listening to your your professional opinion. Right. I mean, it's like we, my gut feeling is that this button should be uh, bright magenta and covered in glitter. I'm liking it. So far, we're building the logo for uh, Slurp and Scuttle. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I think most of my experience has been, you know, from a. Uh, you know, like I had a different idea of what their, um, their understanding would be, or excuse me. Um, I had a different idea of what the functionality would be based on what they said, based on what they, or as opposed to what they actually meant. Um, you worked in the advertising industry for a while. So I did uh, how, how, like, I figured that your design guys, uh, filled your ear with an earful of similar things. This, this happened constantly. Uh, and from, from the design perspective, um, it, it was 100% like it suck it up and, and do what's being asked of you in some respects. Like that's, that's just how it tends to go. Like you walk in and it's beautiful and then it's just a slow progression of watching (laughs) it die, uh, uh, (laughs) while being beat to a pulp in committee and then whatever comes out the other side is is just sort of the ragged, tattered remains of what you walked in with. Right. Uh, for me, I'm a project manager, and, and so I come at this from a different sort of perspective. One of the things that I've often said is that at the worst of it, and it's often the worst of it, 
being a project manager means taking detailed records of why you got fired. <laughs> like why your your company got removed from the project or something like that? Exactly. Like it, it, taking detailed <laughs> records about, you know, I, I said on the 13th uh, that if you decided to change it, we were going to be late with delivery. Uh, we're now late with delivery. That, that's fine. Uh <laughs> I said on the 26th that if we decided to, uh, you know, compress the schedule and deliver, uh, you know, on time, we would be over budget. Now you're upset that we're over budget. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I think that that's one way of approaching it. So I, I have like this this fairly hard line stance on these sort mm-hmm. of things. I don't think I would make a very good creative because I would walk in and be like, all right, this is what you asked for. And then they would try to give me some sort of feedback and I'd be like, okay, <laughs> but you're wrong. <laughs> but, it's like, no, 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 though. No, you don't understand how this process works. You asked for something and I delivered it. And that's the end of the transaction. Then again, like even as a project manager, it was me documenting that they were wrong, but then right. we went ahead and did what it was that they want. So maybe right. maybe it's just a case of like you're you're gonna have to fall back, but you can document it. Uh, maybe put it in the invoice. We could yeah, put it in the I, invoice because I... uh, we did have something that <laughs> that we had invented, uh, and I hope no one uh, is ever listening to this that has ever been billed. But uh, we would we would invoice for the uh, ASC, uh, which was the asshole surcharge. (laughs) So you just line item in ASC dash changes. And and that's where you that's where you up uh, up cost them uh, just for, you know, the amount of. And it's 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 a legitimate cost. It's it's sort of right. putting a price on the amount of your soul that they have sucked out of your body <laughs> by doing things that are just mind-numbingly stupid. Right, and I mean, it, it, at least in your case, I mean, if we're you know, working on like you know what, if if it stands to reason that the cost of the piece of your soul increases as you have less and less soul left. Uh, I mean, how much is a piece of your soul worth? I mean, millions. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's got to be like the highest exchange rate ever. Like Bitcoin could take a lesson yeah. from uh, from <laughs> your, your ratio of, of soul to cost. So, yeah, that, that would be an expensive surcharge, I believe. It, it would be. At this point, I'm going to, you know, like my soul is, uh, is encrypted uh, blockchain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And you got to get a couple of like either a Cray or like 1700 uh, PlayStation 3s linked together, uh, just mining the hell out of it to, to find right. any more additional soul for me. And there's no partial soul, like no, no partial piece or anything like that. It's like, you know, there are a certain number of chunks of your soul and they have to be found in you know one piece in total or else it's all worthless. Exactly. And I mean, that shit's been compressed like diamond at this point. <laughs> See, you know, and, and that's the thing about like, 
working in a in a creative field like this, especially one where it's the the client at the end of the day, like what the client asks for and signs on a piece of paper. You know, if if they're fine with the things you've warned them about, um, I, I don't mean to to sound negative towards clients. Um, Everybody who but, works in even the remotestly creative field is negative towards clients. Right. But, you know, not unduly negative towards clients. Um, but, you know, sometimes you can lead a horse to water and then they step in the canyon next to it because, you know, even though you warn them not to. like You can lead a horse really... to water, but you can't make them noisily slurp at it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, no, I will. I will only lead them to uh, to watering holes that have straws available. There we go, and they can they can quietly drink from it. No, um, yeah, th- this is definitely a tightrope you have to walk. Like it's just this this thing that everybody that's in the industry that is in a a client serving industry completely understands. Um, but at the end of the day, like your paycheck is paid by them. They can make all the dumb, stupid decisions they want to. And, you know, if, if you go with your heart, if you make it the way that you know that it could be and it's not what they've asked for and they decide not to pay, like, you're just up shit creek. Like, you have very little recourse unless you've, you know, put something into the contract where it's like, you know, you, you pay us for the effort, not for the finished product or something like that. Um, That's a good contract if you can get it. Yeah. And, you know, I've... I, I've heard some other folks that have talked about it where it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I'll do work for clients. I'll do whatever they ask, um, until it, until it is not what I feel is right for this thing. And it's in the contract where, you know, I can, I can do what I feel is right. And they're still going to have to pay me for it. I was like, going to say like, uh, the, the only other thing I can think of is if you go in the direction of the artiste. Which is like if you if you just make it become part of your professional persona that you will get into an artistic <laughs> snit and storm out of a meeting uh-huh. if people interrupt your grand vision. Granted, you're going to lose a decent number of clients, but you might be able to charge a premium <laughs> if if your shit's you're good creating enough. an atmosphere. You're creating an atmosphere. You're creating sort of a, you know, they, they go to you for for that, to, to be told that they are an ignorant barbarian <laughs> and that everyone knows, you know, that, that the button should look like this. Right. Uh, because T. Hanks has said so. Yeah. You know, I never thought about it that way. Um, I, I think that's I think that's the best case here. Is you become you know, one of the the eccentrics that are known for you know like I said like just storming out of the room, knocking over furniture on your way out, and then coming back the next day with the most immaculate piece of artwork that's ever been done, and everyone from miles around know that it is the best piece of work that's ever been made. Um, if you are good enough to do that, then I think you you have to like you you that's got to be your shtick. I would say that you have to be like, I was thinking about it and I was like, but you have to be really fucking good. But one thing that I have learned over the course of the years 
is actually not necessarily. It's <laughs> mostly about the confidence. If you uh-huh. have the confidence to just stand up in the middle of a meeting and say, this is shit, your ideas are shit, I am not going to put up with this, I am leaving, and storm out. <laughs> if you have that kind of confidence, if you can exude that about your artwork, people will be with like... second guessing. Hmm. You know, he's he's so committed to that that maybe there's something to it. Maybe he's maybe he actually is right. I'm fairly huh. certain this is how most of high fashion works. Like it's just someone who it almost who has, has to be. Yeah, someone who just has the passion and the complete uh, lack of self awareness and the right. obliviousness to just be like, yes, trash bags are in this season. <laughs> I'm going to set you know set loose a bunch of of terribly thin people to stalk down a runway wearing trash bags and people go "Hmm, yes (laughs) brave so brave i mean i I don't mean to i don't don't mean to follow you too far down this new tangent but yeah uh there has to be a lot of that going on in the high fashion world like some people just get get so far out there that you know they're not making clothes for anybody. They're they're making clothes for for people and for some sort of species of creature that doesn't exist. But people still, you know, still wear it. Like, you know, it's got like sixteen arms on each side, and it's like thirty feet long. And for a human to wear it, they have to wrap like forty five pounds of cloth around themselves just to make it, you know, to where they can fit through a door. Um, that seems to be an appeal. Like, and if somebody says, yes, this is the greatest thing that's ever been created, somebody's going to believe it. The grotesque collection. <laughs> the, the trash panda collection. Every, <laughs> every coat comes with free raccoon. <laughs> Actually, I would probably be a lot more interested in the whole fashion scene if someone did have just like their, their collection for a season involved uh and then we stuff a live raccoon into this dress (laughs) pants whatever Uh, it is it's just you know it's it's closed at the top and the bottom to keep the raccoon from escaping and it's just you know someone (laughs) screaming and writhing uh as they as they gyrate down the walkway uh the i mean not only do you want do you want the the raccoon enclosed to get the most experience out of it, you know, out of it clawing and gnawing at your, at your form. Uh, but really if you're paying like $10,000 for that coat, like you really want to keep that raccoon in there. Like, well, yeah. cause if, if that raccoon escapes, you're just a jackass in a $10,000 trash bag. Now, like, <laughs> if I'm paying $10,000 for this coat and maybe it's my, you know, sort of low class, uh, sensibilities, but if I'm paying $10,000, it should come with a couple of replacement raccoons. <laughs> Eventually you're going to blow out well, see, a raccoon. No, 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 that, that, that's actually a good point because if it comes with exactly two raccoons, uh, they can make their own replacement raccoons. I guess if you get the correct raccoons. <laughs> I don't want to get too gender normative in here, but uh, but yeah, I think you should, you know, have one pile, you know, purely biologically speaking, 
put two in there that can produce another raccoon. That's that's all we need. There we go. That's, there we go. And then and then you've got like a whole Yeah, that's a whole different collection. I think that's next year's collection. Like this year's collection single <laughs> raccoon trapped in your pants. Next season's collection is going to involve the family of raccoons. <laughs> trapped in your pants no no, no, no that, that's the season after that so for first season is single raccoon second season is two raccoons fucking wildly <laughs> <laughs> in your coat okay so we got two years out where we got a family of raccoons are in there You know, as we're talking about it now, I'm just sad that doesn't exist. Not that I would wear it, but I just want to know that somewhere in some sort of some sort of uh, fancy restaurant, just somebody's wearing a coat with two live raccoons just going to town. In flagrante raccoono. <laughs> oh. oh, all right. So, in in summary, I think uh, two raccoons you know, fucking in your pants is the only way to go about this. And if your clients don't like that, you don't need them. Exactly. <laughs> no, but really, you you, you still got to pay your bills. So sometimes you got to suck it up. But uh, <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm honestly thinking of going into fashion. So, <laughs> well, we already talked about your uh, your ideas for like Mad Max style fashion for uh, for plus size fellas. Yeah. So, I mean. I'm an idea, man. I think it'd work. Uh, should we go to an issue from the internet? Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> All right, so uh, th- this first one, I did not anticipate us going in such a uh, a wildlife fashion, uh, but it works out pretty well. Um, so I don't know who the uh, the question asker is. There's no name on it. Um, it's secret raccoon in a trench coat. Yes, Secret Raccoon in a Trench Coat says, um, Are pets at the office a good idea or a bad idea, and why? We are hearing more and more of offices are allowing their employees to bring their pets to work. More specifically, dogs. So we wanted to ask you, what do you think of this? Would it be okay with dogs in your office? Do you think it would liven the place up, or would it be a distraction? Share. Hmm. So... I, I think I think dogs and cats, uh, they could do fine at the office. Um, I mean, dogs, yes. Cats, no. I have cats. Cats at the <laughs> office would be terrible. Well, so they, I mean, they would knock shit off the, the desk, uh, poop in any uh, somewhat granular material. Yeah, um, the office house plants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But overall, you know, would they really like... You know, be too much of a distraction so much that I, I I feel that with some of your some of your cats like they they like attention, but um, a lot of cats that I know like just would rather just you died and left the food bag open. This is this is true. I mean, I it could go a couple ways. I could see it where you know there's cats lounging in in large windows uh, peacefully. That's the kind of thing that would be super soothing, but then I can also see you trying to be on a conference call while a cat is slowly <laughs> watching you while they push 
ever so <laughs> gently the speakerphone off <laughs> until it clatters onto the floor. Well, there might be some things that would have to be permanently affixed to the tabletop. Um, expensive equipment like that would probably be on the docket. I would be more concerned about having a conference call and uh, them sitting there just like licking their jimmies <laughs> while you're trying to talk to an important client. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's like... It's like, you know, and, and so for the new projections of the, the third quarter, I, I think they were pretty strong. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, Sheila, could you come get uh, Scruffy? Uh, it is licking its testicles <laughs> in the middle of the table. No, with, with cats, you just got to be like, uh, you know, the projections are up in the third quarter. Uh, don't make eye contact. Um, it's better if you just look away. Just, just, just let him finish. Just let him finish. Yeah, just, like, just finish let him do what? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no. But uh, yeah, dogs would be fine. Um, I, I love, I love puppies. Um, my, my only concern is that yeah, you know, cats would push stuff off, poop wherever they want to. Uh, dogs don't necessarily poop where they, wherever they want to. They poop wherever it's possible. Like. It doesn't really matter. Like, you know, they're excited. Oop, better pee a little. Oh, you know, got to go outside. Wait, the door's closed. Oop, better poop on in the corner on the stack of papers. Like, that's, uh, I mean, that it, would be a real danger. <laughs> so we're, it's a silly thing, but we're talking about office pets. And I'm mm-hmm. seeing a mud crab <laughs> with a big click pin. And and it would be great. Muddy brings me a pen. <laughs> and then I got to fight well, with him to get it back. But still, it's fucking adorable. So, like, what, what size of mud crab are we talking? Are we talking, like, like Fallout version of mud crab? Because that's the first thing I went to. And I was like, there is no chance that, that you're going to get that pen from that mud crab. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, you know, Fallout sized... Uh, <laughs> Those will be for for the the post apocalyptic office, you know, where I'm already wearing the the leather speedo and hockey right. mask. Uh, I think <laughs> I think for today's office, just you know, a, a crab large enough to bring you office supplies is is where I'm going. <laughs> okay, uh, but not so large as to make off with the iPad. <laughs> so i mean he would be really good for like uh if you need some you know some coupons clipped or something just kind of hold it out to him because be like sneep exactly sneep. It's, like, it's like oh well that's 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 very handy pete pete the mud crab um not so good with the stapling though um, no but staple removing staple removing right there there you go um yeah, I think that the type of pet is super important. Um, you know, we were talking about raccoons before, um, but we were talking about raccoons in uh, in in a, an environment that they normally would not be happy in. Period, which is you know enclosed pants, in, um, you know pants, or some sort of sweater vest or something. Um, I'd be pretty mad if I was enclosed in somebody else's sweater vest. Um, but no, just like some docile raccoons. Um, do you think they could be trained to, to do like small secretarial tasks? 
They probably could. I think what raccoons would be best at, from what I know of them, uh, would be in the break room, washing coffee okay. cups. Because <laughs> they, yeah, because they they wash their food. And exactly. You hand them you hand them a coffee cup, and they're just like dunk dunk, wash wash wash. It would be great. <laughs> Give them a little tiny rag. Well, I, I, that would be extremely nice on multiple levels, mostly because I have never worked in an office where people are capable or um, considerate enough to wash their own dishes. Like, I don't care where, I don't care how many people are in the office, uh, whether it's 10 or a thousand. Uh, I have always, in every place I've worked, had some, some day where I walked in and there were like five or six dirty, nasty coffee cups with like crystallized sugar and creamer on the bottom. Now, it's not every day, but it happens enough. So having some uh, handy dandy dishwashing raccoons, oh, that'd be primo. I mean, I, I'm guilty of this uh, myself. Sometimes <laughs> I've come in and I've been like, mm, there was coffee in that mug. There's not anymore. There's some sort of new life form. <laughs> Some sort of some sort of detritus. We, oh, we may have to kill it before it expands. <laughs> this sounds like a job for the raccoons. So my next thought for a good office pet, a uh, parrot. Okay. Like an African gray parrot. Those fuckers live to be like 70, 75 years old. They're yeah. super intelligent. Uh, you can kind of teach them to talk. And what I'm thinking is we just turn them into subject matter experts. <laughs> I mean, after Polly's oh. been at the office for 25 years, she's going to know more than any of the human employees about just about anything. Right. And the good thing is she'll repeat it back exactly as she heard it. Unlike most, you know, secondhand SMEs where, you know, they hear kind of what they wanted to hear, but didn't really get to the heart of it. And all of a sudden now you have some sort of terrible explanation that, did, that doesn't work. Exactly. You know, you, you just go, all right, I think we're going to have to go to the SME. See, and, and from the first second you said parrot, like I, I get the functional, get it from a functional standpoint, why that's a, a good choice. Um, and the longevity, definitely a plus. Uh, you know, most people would retire after like 30 or 40 years. So getting twice as much for a single purchase could not be a better investment. Um, the problem is office gossip would be pretty damn tough. Um, because, you know, you're sitting there talking about somebody else, you know. That's true. <laughs> then, then you're just like, hmm. I wonder uh, what's going on with Marsha from accounting. And it'd be like, all right, Marsha from accounting is fucking Bill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Polly, don't, don't repeat that. Oh, don't repeat that. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, can, you can guarantee that they will, you know, that they'll pick up some stuff, but you can't necessarily control, uh, can't control what they learn. Much like children, I'd assume. Yeah, this is true, and I and I'm now I'm thinking back to the the original conversation that we had about noise pollution, and uh, the, uh -huh. the last thing I need is a seventy year old 
uh, pigeon that's just uh, recreating snot-sucking sounds until the end of time itself. <laughs> right, he, he he worked there, you know, decades ago, but his specter uh, through the through the parrot will never leave. Exactly. So, all right, I think I think maybe maybe we'll put the the parrot to bed as a as a good office pet. Yeah. So any anything that doesn't talk, doesn't make noise, go nuts like lizards you know regardless of whether or not they make good pets period because they're they're pretty temperamental and you know they require a lot of a lot of care but um venomous you know, snakes really hardy fish yeah snakes uh also good deterrent um or if you're doing a uh some sort of holiday halloween party and you need to be jake the snake um always good to have a spare boa constrictor lying around i mean i'm thinking spitting cobra <laughs> If you really don't want to go into a meeting, uh, just send the spitting cobra in. Exactly. <laughs> we could dress him up with a little tie. <laughs> oh. We'll call him Stanley. <laughs> Boss comes in like, it looks like projections are... And then, you know, I got my eyes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I now have a new favorite for office pet. <laughs> Stanley the Spitting Cobra. Oh, my God. This seems legit. This seems legit. Well, we we clearly will not get a better office pet than that. So, all right. I think it's about time to call it. All right. Send your questions on workplace or lifestyle issues to questions at WLICast.com. This has been the Work Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. I think we're going to have to transfer you.